Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Chicago Blackhawks edition. And for the first time ever in the history of this tiny podcast, I am joined by not one but two people from the SB Nation blog that covers the Chicago Blackhawks. I have Dave Melton and Brad Replinger. How are you guys doing? Doing great, Kelly. How about you? Pretty good. Brad, how are you? Doing good. great, Kelly. Can't, can't All right. Complain. So... Since, you know, the Blackhawks and the Flyers have a little bit of a contentious history for reasons that I would prefer not to go into in detail because it still hurts me physically. But um, I thought so I thought we'd start off with something that we could all kind of bond over, which is the hilarious case of Brandon Manning, who NHL general manager well not anymore but like a guy who at the time was an NHL general manager gave up assets to get Brandon Manning and then that guy got fired (laughs) Brandon Manning is a scratch in the AHL (laughs) and and Drake Kajula is like not bad like he might be like a legit NHL player on the Blackhawks for like multiple seasons to come he's definitely better than Brandon Manning (laughs) I don't know how Chiarelli had a job yes. like this current, their job that he just lost. Like he's traded everyone. He's traded Kessel. He's traded Hall. He's traded Sagan. If you give him another year, he'd have traded to McDavid. Oh, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Without question. McDavid, oh, you don't, you don't McDavid think McDavid's going to get up. Yeah, you don't, you don't think Connor McDavid's going to get the Mike Trout treatment in, in, uh, in Edmonton and just stay there forever and ever? I think he's already, I mean, if you look at that poor kid's face, I think he's carrying a lot of regret about the contract that he's already signed. <laughs> I think he's going to be out of there as soon as humanly possible. Oh. Start, I do feel so. better, though. I, I do know I, I can't be as bad at my job as Chiarelli is. So no, that's, that's comforting. That's yeah. comforting to me. It's true. That's something we can all carry with us for the rest of our lives, that we will never be as bad at our respective jobs. As That's a low bar, Dave. Come on, man. Shoot for the oh. stars, man. Even if you miss, you've already been better than that. <laughs> oh. Strive okay. for mediocrity. Which, speaking of mediocrity, the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, let's get into that a little bit. <laughs> so I noticed, just kind of checking out what you guys have been doing recently, you're on a, a little bit of a win streak here, huh? Or did yeah. it end yesterday? Yeah, well, I mean, they still they still got a, the loser point, so it wasn't all for naught. But yeah, they've been they, it's been the weirdest season because they had that stretch where Quinville got fired, and they won I think three out of twenty two games, not which great. isn't great, not great. And then like they and then they were like lukewarm for a while, and then they decided to win like eight in a row and like ten of twelve or something like that. And then right when it seemed like they were right back into the playoff race, I think they had a playoff spot for all of an hour before another team won and bumped them out. Then, like, everything was lining up for them to have these two huge games that could have got them into the race permanently. And then they lost four or five. And then everyone gave up on their playoffs again. And now they've won four or five in a row and have the loser point last night. So I don't know what they're doing. But uh, this, it's just been a roller coaster ride for the last like two or three months of either really, really good hockey or really, really terrible hockey. 
I wouldn't even call it really, really good hockey. Though. Well, it's been, okay. it's been fun. good results. Been, yeah, exactly. Good results. <laughs> it's been finding a way to kind of manage the miss um, for, for those of you on the, on the BA, uh, BSH podcast that are uh, golfers. Um, thou, thou shalt uh, not hit a perfect golf shot. It's just not an existence thing. And you just kind of have to manage your miss and do what you can from there. And I think that's what the Blackhawks have done so far this season, especially um, on defense, man. They have been struggling to show any signs of consistency, um, you know, at the blue lines. But, you know, shout out to Eric Gustafson for potentially being the highest scoring defenseman in franchise history since, what was it, Dave, 1998? Uh, I, I Something yeah. like that. It's been it's been an oddly productive addition offensively from the blue line standpoint, which you know since Duncan Keith was you know just a mite back in the uh, you know the mid to late early you know two thousands. Even same with Brent Seabrook. You know that offense has been lacking from uh, from the blue line standpoint. We thought we might get it with uh, one Henry Yokoharu. At least our podcast thought we were going to get that, but uh, we've been searching for his first professional goal now forever. Um, but no, I think managing the miss, um, at least from an offensive standpoint, you know, if you're going to give up a bunch of goals, why not score a bunch of goals? And, you know, shout out to uh, to some pretty star forwards that I'm sure we'll touch on here in a little bit that have made a huge contribution offensively, um, you know, sprinkle in some some solid play from a few unknowns at the blue line. And suddenly this isn't as bad as we thought it would be. <laughs> it's always nice when that happens, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it so often turns out the other way, but it's nice when it ends up this way. Um, so you just mentioned, um, Dave, that when Coach Q was fired, you guys lost a bunch of games. We're obviously not a whole season into the post-Q era, but this will be a pretty solid chunk of time at the end of this season since Joel Quenville was let go from your team. Um, have you been happy with Colleton so far? Are you liking the direction of the team? Well, the the number one positive that stands out with Colleton, and this is something that I feel like a lot of people are mystified by, and I think we were too for the last decade. The Hawks had a terrible power play pretty much the entire time Quenville was the coach. I think the season when uh, Panarin debuted with the Hawks, him and Kane single-handedly carried their power play to competence. But other than that, the Hawks power play has pretty much been consistently terrible. When Colleton took over, I think they scored like 10 to 15 games in a row. They had at least one power play goal. It was clicking like a 40, 50% rate for a while, which is a big part of the reason when they started winning uh, that 10 out of 12 that we referenced earlier. So the the number one thing you can point to as a positive with Colleton is that their, their power play has been markedly better, although it cooled off for a while and then it scored again on Monday night. Um, so, so that's the number one thing that's been good on the downside. Like there's been no improvement on the defense, which it's still kind of hard to tell if that's a personnel thing or a coaching thing. Cause the personnel still isn't great and hasn't been at under Quinville's tenure or Colleton for this season. Um, so there's still, I think still the biggest question is if they get legitimate NHL defensemen onto the team, other than maybe just Connor Murphy, um, can Colleton coach them into uh, into a good core, into a reliable defense that is giving up four or five goals every night? 
another thing about the the Colladin tenure so far that has been different than the Quenville tenure has been the reliance on or the reliability or whatever the word is on um, on some of the young talents, uh, especially like Dave was talking about on the defensive side, um, bringing in names like Carl Dahlstrom, like Yokoharu, obviously with the draft pick, but even guys like Connor Murphy got a chance to really kind of show and see what they had to offer and um, a big thing uh, or a big difference between what the Quenville defensive scheme was against what the Colladin defensive scheme was, was um, swarming to the puck, um, specifically underneath the goal line, which now Colladin has brought in a little more of a, um, call it, let's call it a zone approach. Mm-hmm. Um, guys sticking to their side of the ice and not really getting stuck in situations where you're giving up odd man rushes, which uh, is never a good thing. Um, no, seeing that change I know has been a, a, a really refreshing thing. Uh, the only problem is is some of the personnel, like David talked about, um, there was a, a name in particular, Jan Ruda, didn't quite fit in, huh? which, huh? Uh, which may or may not have been a terrible call by yours truly earlier in the year as one huh? of the defensemen, but that's okay. Um, but names like Slater Cuckoo who have come into the fold or you know, even players like um, again, specifically Eric Gustafson has been really fun to watch, but you know, even guys like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, who no longer have to cover as longer stretches of the ice, aren't getting as fatigued. Therefore, they're not getting, you know, burnt on plays or, or long stretch plays down the ice. And, you know, therefore, you're starting to see less and less of the, um, let's call it the, the, volu- the volatile defensive turnover, um, which, uh, which has been good with Colleton. And, um, you know, maybe something that, uh, that Quenville wasn't willing to adapt, and that's why, um, you know, Stan Bowman and, and company weren't uh, weren't afraid to move away from that type of thinking and think more progressively it's pretty wild to think that with the kind of offensive talent that you guys have that your power play would have ever been bad it was so infuriating it was so bad there would oh, be man million dollars of salary on the ice and they would give the puck to patrick kane and stand there and poke him with the stick and wait for him to do something oh boy it was so frustrating oh my god Maybe, maybe you'd see about three shots on goal for every four power play chances that oh. there were. It was. Uh... They just they'd give him the puck. Everybody would look at him and just wait for him to do something. And if it worked, it didn't. And it when it didn't work, the puck went the other way. Gotta that was the Hawks power play for a decade. <laughs> Got to give, got to give a, a shout out to Philly's own Jillian Fisher on this one. But for all of the uh, videos she makes about the fans screaming "shoot," that was there was some uh, just there was just some it was justifiable hate for the fact that they wouldn't put the puck on that during the power play. We 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 all even had our moments of just like just put it on net at this point, you know, uh, put, put puck on net, puck go in sometimes. <laughs> So I was going to like jokingly ask you guys like, hey, are you going to be mad when Joel Quenville is the Flyers coach this summer? But like in a ser- in a more serious way, like if you were searching for a coach and Joel Quenville hadn't been your last coach, is he a guy that you would want to hire for your team? Like, would you be excited if Joel Quenville was on the table as the head coach of your team? Absolutely. Yeah, I I think you'd have to just you know he brings a resume of three Stanley Cups in his last stop, so yeah. I, I I think any team would have to be excited about that. Um, I mean I think I think we all got exposed to his flaws over mm-hmm. time. Um, so I don't think he's the guy you want if you're in the middle of a rebuild. He's more of the guy that takes you from a first round playoff exit to a second, third, uh, or maybe Stanley Cup uh, final. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I it's. I, I would Washington. have a hard time not being excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
That's actually um, good to hear because that's exactly where the Flyers are at this point. So hopefully he'll want to come here. Yeah, I, I think I actually think he'd be a decent fit in Philly as well. I know that um, a lot of the a lot of the fan base there is kind of similar to Chicago in a sense yeah. that we get very emotionally attached to um, you know either franchise players that we know can make a big impact in years to come, or you know maybe coaches that can kind of establish an identity in the city. You know, obviously yeah. I don't mean I, I don't mean this as a as a bad thing, but uh, to see a guy like Wayne Simmons go from um, you know Philadelphia's uh, Philadelphia's franchise to head to some, you know, deadbeat team in Nashville, um, <clears throat> which we, we can we can share the scale of hate on that, too. It's perfectly cool. Um, but to, to see something like that happen and to watch the reaction of, of fans and the and the flyer faithful was was pretty impactful. And I think a coach like Quenville is is definitely a coach that can kind of unite everybody together. Um, yeah. You know, and he's and he's definitely got enough quip and, and, and definitely enough characteristics to him or, uh, you know, some character to him that can that can really make for some memorable moments. I know uh, we we often uh, we often appreciate a certain gesture that he made to uh, the St. Louis Blues. I've, what is it, Dave, now? I think three years ago, four years ago. Uh, um, yeah, it was, it was the year they got knocked out in the first round. So that was, yeah, right, yeah that was three years ago. It's a, uh, it's, it was definitely a gifable moment that will <laughs> forever in black hockey yeah. for me. And then what was it about a week after he got fired, he was doing shotskis at soldier field with the Bears yeah. game. So, yes. you know, he's, yes. a, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a man of the people. And, mm-hmm. and at least from a Blackhawks fan standpoint, your, your question of, would we, would we be sad if he signs with the Flyers? I mean, I think we'd rather him end up with the Flyers than he'd end up in like, I don't know, say Pittsburgh or Detroit. Or, yeah, I just, I just wanted to go in. Just let him go Eastern Conference, and that's fine with me. Yeah. Because, um, the, like, the biggest thing you can point to with Quinville is I don't think Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, or even Oduya and Jalmerson reached the levels that they did under Quinville. I don't know if they reached them with other coaches. So yeah. if you've got good young defensemen that need somebody to straighten them out and teach them how to play proper hockey, Quinville's got a pretty good resume for that. Yeah. I just – I like candles and pray to all of the gods – on a nightly basis, that he- <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, yeah, it it might, it might be great at first, and you might be cursing him in two years, like we all were, and after like the eighth or ninth year, so you never know. Listen, if those eight or nine years include three Stanley Cups, well, I don't care. He can come yeah. over and punch me in the face. It's fine. Like, <laughs> I've never seen one before. I just need one, and then I anything can happen after that. I don't care. Um, but speaking of Stanley Cups, so one of the things that we always used to joke about at Broad Street Hockey, when it came to the Chicago Blackhawks, is that you guys, the organization, I guess I should say, seem to have this weird ability to get players to buy into what we describe as a pyramid scheme. Like, Mm -hmm. take less money, take a a less player-friendly contract than they probably could have gotten elsewhere to be able to play for the essentially, you know, Modern oh, we dynasty that were the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, we listened to the show, Kelly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as as that all started to fall apart, you know, obviously that kind of thing can't hold up forever. And it kind of seemed like the team was gonna be pretty bad for a while. And obviously, the team's not as good as it was. They're not dominant right. Western Conference like they were. But I mean, like. At this point, you're like what six points out of the playoffs? I think like it's it's not a four. Uh, oh, four. Moves, so big like, moves. Big, <laughs> big, big one pointer last night against the fighting Elias Petersons. Thank you. 
It's not like a dire situation. And I kind of, I'm wondering if you think that this, that your team's ever going to enter into like a real full scale rebuild where they're terrible for a while, or if they're going to be able to continue to attract talent and just kind of rebuild on the fly as some of your better players get older. Are we looking at like a middle of the road Chicago Blackhawks for a while, or are we going to see an actual terrible Chicago Blackhawks? I'm you triggered. Know, Dave, you take this one. Yeah, I know. I've been because I've been I've been screaming about this all season that uh, everyone's yelling at the Blackhawks to tank or rebuild or whatever. And the reality of it is they probably can't because you have ten and a half million to Taves and Kane. That those contracts probably aren't going anywhere. Duncan Keith's got five and a half million roughly until like 2024. He's probably the only piece they could trade. Brent Seabrook's got just under seven million till the end of time. And that contract's never going anywhere, and the Blackhawks are screwed with that contract unless there's a lockout and they can buy it out in a couple of years. So it's hard to do a full scale rebuild when you've got, what is that, like 30, 35 million wrapped up in four players. Yeah. So unless they find a way to move all those contracts, I don't see how they go full rebuild. I think they're going to try and do the rebuild on the fly that you referenced. And they're they're slowly getting there, offensively speaking. Like the Fords, the Fords aren't bad. Mm-hmm. You've got, still got Taves and Kane. Brandon Sod's still here. Alex DeBrinket's been a revelation this year. Uh, Dylan Strom has been uh, proving He's to be good. a huge steal. Like um, the one with Strom, DeBrinket, and, per- and Brandon Perlini, who they also got in the Nick Schmaltz trade, has been on fire the last couple of weeks. The biggest issue for the Hawks is, is defensemen because Keith and Seabrook are not what they used to be. Yeah. Uh, Connor Murphy's pretty good. And then they have probably four or five guys that are good on a third pairing that they're trying to make play top four minutes. And it's not working very well. And that's why the Hawks, I think, still have the most goals against in the entire NHL. They've got three or four prospects down on the farm that are your that are all defensemen that we're hopeful that they might come up and be something. Yoko Haru is one of them that uh, Brad was talking about earlier. So the hope is that the young defensemen that they have in the system can get up to the NHL level and fill in some of the the gaps on the blue line while the Fords like Taves and Kane are still playing at a elite level. And hopefully that all comes together. And they can take one more swing at a potential cup run in the early 2020s with the core they have right now. If that doesn't work, then you're probably talking a full tear down, rebuild, sell everything. Okay, we triggered Brad, so I'm not even gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, this was a this was a hot topic this year um, because the biggest um, the the biggest buzzword that we heard from uh, from ownership, John McDonough, the general manager, and even Stan was, well, this team is this team is still in contention, and you know we're not uh, you know we're not sellers at the trade deadline, we're buyers, and then they did nothing. <laughs> they did yeah. nothing. They sat there and they did nothing. They actually, I, I take that back. They actually called up Corey Crawford to the roster, even though he was still on the DL at the time, in order to make up some room for guys to go back to Rockford yeah. and the AHL and all that other stuff. But no, I. Uh, I it's I think it's it, it's super close and and despite me just hoping that that this doesn't turn into just some catastrophe where by 2021 we're just we're watching you know a Duncan Keith who's basically got you know jelly legs for uh, for a defenseman and you know Brent Seabrook who's you know fully established the uh, the Bob Swirsky look for Chicago having eaten nothing but deep dish pizza and Italian beef and you know like just everybody's super slow and the game's not as exciting anymore. I, like we want to watch our core um, 
of Taze, Kane, um, even Keith and Seabrook, if you want to add them into the core, and then ultimately Corey Crawford. Um, we want to see these guys, if they're not going to ride off into the sunset with a championship, at least make the playoffs. And that's where, as a fan, I'm not ready for the for the full you know just level everything and then let's rebuild it all from square one and again it's been really reassuring because i like you had said kelly i'm not sure how stan bowman gets these trades to work um i don't know how you flip (laughs) nick schmaltz for dylan strome to have that happen like it, it doesn't make any sense but it's happening and whatever wizardry he's doing it's working so i just i shut up i go to games <laughs> i drink the be- i drink the overpriced beers and you know it's the you, i i enjoy the i enjoy what we have while we have it because yeah i've got a <laughs> like dave i got a feeling that give it maybe three or four years that if this you know if the core starts to you know decline at a rapid pace and you know there isn't enough in this pipeline which it's already kind of a decaying pipeline as it is then you know we might be looking at the uh we might be looking at the uh the ottawa blackhawks i'm sorry the uh the the chicago senators i'm sorry the chicago blackhawks for um like a 2023 2024 yeah i'd I'd feel bad for you but i was in the building in 2010 so Oh no! We this is this is this is appreciation, and I from from fans of the team that have been there since the Tony Amante days of the, yeah. the late nineties. It was yeah, we were at one point the worst rated sports franchise in the country. So I mean, if if it means that we get to have our we get to have our championships and then just not be good for about ten or fifteen years and then wait a little longer to you know another generation comes along and then we win again, that's okay. I can I can get on board with that. Yeah. And, and Kelly, are you an Eagles fan by chance? M- marginally, you can't oh. live here and not like at least a little bit. Okay. Well, not, yeah. Because I really hate the Eagles. Okay. <laughs> uh, like with a fierce passion. So, and it all works out in the end. Like not only the Bears, the Bears playoff game this past season, and the one way back in two thousand one when Donovan McNabb ran all over oh Soldier Field. Oh my god! That was I was there, game. and I'm still upset about it. So Kelly, oh. I, I totally understand what you're saying about it. still hating the Blackhawks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll Stanley Cup Super Bowls. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I'll Stanley Cup Super Bowls. Bowls. Yeah. Oh God! I would, if I could, if that was like a thing, if I was like a wizard and I could trade that Eagles Super Bowl win for a Stanley Cup, I would do it in five seconds. Ooh. Fair. I would be like murdered very quickly by the by someone in the city of Philadelphia. But for me personally, I like I was like, oh, that's cool. The Eagles won. Cool. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's okay. So if on a scale, I'm gonna like openly weep and like do something <laughs> on my body. Like it'll be a whole thing. So. <laughs> so on a scale of Bryce Harper to Nick Foles, then which of the three other Philadelphia teams would you rather see win a championship? If it can't be the Flyers, it's got to be blank. Mm, I guess this the was, Phillies. This was unprepared, by the way. So for those of you yeah. who are listening, stay with us. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, I think I would like the Phillies to win again, just because. That's like a, I mean, Eagles fans are passionate, but they're also just like, I feel like being an Eagles fan is a default. Like everyone just is like, it doesn't really require any kind of intense commitment in 16 games. You sit on your couch on Sundays, you watch them, whatever. Phillies fans are like super passionate. They only had the one in 2008. There's a lot of really likable guys. I mean, the Sixers would be fun too, just because they're also a very likable team, but I, I can't be happy with my life until the Flyers win one, so. Fair. <laughs> so, all right, getting back to the hockey stuff. Um, 
the Flyers and the Blackhawks have not played each other since all the way back on November 10th when the Flyers won for nothing. And I wanted to know what has changed over the last many months for the Blackhawks that might make this game go differently. Uh, well, I think first and foremost is the power play doesn't suck, which we talked oh. about earlier. Um, uh, I think, and then there's some different personnel. The biggest one being the the trade that we referenced earlier with uh, Nick Schmaltz to Arizona for uh, Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini, mm -hmm. and and that line with Alistair Brinkett might be their top scoring threat right now. Um, so good, isn't he? Huh? Debrinkin is so good. Yeah, he's really good. It's and it's a delight because there was uh the athletic one they uh quoted an anonymous scout who said that Alex Debrinkin would score maybe 25 goals this year. He's just not a 30 goal player. He's about <laughs> to score 40. So it's been a lot of fun to watch that. Yeah. Um I, I believe I'm pretty sure Quinville was still coaching, actually. I think he was. I think that's right when the Hawks started their descent into the abyss that they stayed in pretty much through the rest of 2018. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 um, but it's still very similar to the team that they played back in November that they can still, obviously that game was different because the Flyers shut them out, but uh, that team was scoring like crazy at the start of the year. They're still scoring a lot of goals right now and not really stopping a lot of them. The only major difference right now is Cor Corey Crawford is back. Okay. And over the last two weeks, he's looked like the Corey Crawford of old. Uh, so that might be the biggest difference between that uh, that Blackhawks team and the one you're going to see on Thursday night? I actually think – oh, I could be wrong. Wasn't that the first Colladin game? Oh, was it? On the 10th? It was either that or the week before. Did Colladin get his first uh, start at home or on the road, Dave? Do we know? I'm, I'm trying to look it up desperately while you're, you're talking here. But <laughs> it's I, one of, I, it's I one of the two. Was, just stall, stall, stall. It's fine. It's it's one of the it's one of the two. Um, yeah, no. So we can't we can't go that route. Um, no, I think the I actually and this may sound kind of ridiculous, but one of the biggest things I think um, or the the biggest differences between uh, early November and now is uh, is Patrick Kane. Um, I don't know if he knew just how good of a season he was going to have or just how confident he was going to be. I mean, again, during preseason camps and, and whatever, you always hear the cliche, you know, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life. And, you know, we should actually make bingo cards for SB Nation sites. I just, what is it? I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, we really have a chance this year. I believe in the process or something, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think up to that point, Kane had only scored, I think he had only scored five goals through the first like 15 or so games, which isn't a terrible stretch at all. But, um, but I think he was still trying to kind of find his form. And that's why, you know, you didn't really see guys like, you know, Brandon Saad stepping up to, you know, have multi-point games or, you know, even a second line that had rebooted confidence because they knew the top line could, you know, take care of business, that sort of a thing. Um, and I think a, a resurgence now, um, obviously you're having a, a over 100 points so far this season, <laughs> so far this season, Patrick Kane might have more than 110 points by the time this season is over and he still might not beat Nikita Kucherov. What is, what is, go, what is going on? I don't um, even like to acknowledge Tampa because it's, it's not fair. Like, stop it. I can't yeah, with them. It's, it's a little ridiculous. Um, <laughs> They're the golden state of the NHL at the moment. Um, 
Except they're not, though, because they're not. There's no big names on that team other than Steven Stamkos. But even that has not, that doesn't have yeah. as much meaning as it used to have. Anyways, we're off topic again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we've just come here to ruin the podcast, Kelly. That's all this is. Um, Impossible to do. The. Um, the I, I, so yeah, I think the the offense actually now has more confidence and and kind of more trust in its own ability compared to at the beginning of the season where they were trying to find their form. Um, uh, but then the other thing too is I think the goaltending, um, kind of realizing that the defense is trash. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the goaltenders have done a good job um, now that Corey Crawford's back again, healthy after yet another scare. Um, you know, with a with a concussion, still playing like. Corey Crawford of old, um, you know, and even Cam Ward, who's improved over the uh, over the span of the season as well. Um, you know, I think the the goaltending core uh, has has kind of figured out that okay, this is going to be a little more of an aggressive year in terms of you know shots on goal faced and things like that. So, you know, if they if you kind of if you go into a if you go into a game with the mindset of okay, I've got to be on my game twenty four seven, you know, sure maybe you have to bring in a third goaltender to kind of you know do the old roulette wheel of who's going to start tonight. But <laughs> you know, at least you've got a little more confidence in your in your uh, in your ability to see pucks during the games and things like that. Of course, that also means that this could be you know a two touchdown game with the Flyers winning fourteen to nothing. So we don't entirely know. That seems really unlikely. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Weird things have happened. True. So, wait, did you ever find out when your coach? Yeah, that was Carlton's second game. Ah, I, I did find it. So, so, but yeah, it was right. That was and the I Flyers won. It. it was like the seventh of the Hawks' eighth loss in a row, and ah. we we just we've kind of forgotten about that. We we black out that part of the season. That's for the best, I think. Yeah. Um, so if you guys had to identify one thing that the Blackhawks are going to do or one guy that's going to give the Flyers absolute hell in this game, what would you say it's going to be? Patrick Kane. Done. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, I'll tell that because that one, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> done. That's easy. I mean, yeah. Kane's cooled down just a little bit in the last week or two because he was scoring like two points a game for like 15, 20 games roughly. And and unless you're Nikita Kucherov, apparently that's not sustainable. <laughs> so he's so he's cooled off a little bit. And I think part of it's because he's been skating with uh, Arsenal Nisimov, who's big and slow and not much else. And Dominic Cahoon is a rookie. So um, it's, it's mainly it's that line that we talked about of – Strom, Perlini, and Dabrinkit. That's probably the top line, uh, top scoring threat that the Blackhawks have had of late. Um, and those guys, it's they just um, Strom and Dabrinkit go back to the OHL. Uh, yeah. They were teammates with the Otters. so they're just they're on another level of chemistry. And Perlini, yeah, oh yeah, oh they're they're adorable, really. Uh, but and then Perlini's actually fit in really well with them over the last couple of weeks. So I'd say that one line is probably your biggest threat right now with the way the Hawks have been playing and the power play, if it's good again. Okay. How can the Flyers contain this? Patrick Kane? <laughs> good luck. <laughs> well, the answer to that one is to put Phil Myers on him or Sean Couturier. Except he'll st- – uh, I'm not going to – I won't throw that at you just yet. Actually, yeah. you know what? I will. Except he'll still find a way to score from a god-awful angle oh. just, <laughs> just above the goal line, and y'all you, still – have. by the way, has anybody turned the West End lamp on at Wells Fargo Center since 2010? Does that work? Did they put a bulb in? What happened? Listen. 
Did you did you mute him yet? We we. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Kelly to mute him. I'm just gonna tell you the story because to this day it's remarkable to me. So I was at this game. I ended up going to this game by myself because I decided I couldn't miss it. Okay. Next- which is which is awesome. Respect to your fandom because that's Thanks. fantastic. So I'm sitting next to a, a man and his young son who are from Toronto, and this dad takes his kid to one Stanley Cup final game every year. So. He's obviously like the coolest human being. Yeah, father of the year right there. Extremely privileged. So good for you, kid. Um, but we're sitting there watching the game and it happens. And the guy turns to me and he's like, oh, sorry. And then he gets up and leaves. And I'm like, what is, what is he talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. Like at that point, it was a solid, I'm going to say like 30 seconds that no one in the building knew what had happened. And then we all died. Um, yeah. I, if, I didn't know what happened either. Like I'm still, I, like, I remember we, we saw it and then I was more confused than anything else. And my main thought was, Oh my God, if they have to start playing again, there's no way they're going to win this game. No, no, absolutely. One, heck, one of the greatest minds, one of the greatest people, one of the greatest human beings on the planet earth in doc Emmerich had no idea what happened. Nobody knew. The only person that knew was Patrick Kane, and I forget the the quote to even afterwards. He's just like, I had to sell it because nobody was going to believe me that it was in. He goes, yeah. like he's the only guy that knew it was in. He's like, and then it, all of a sudden it looked like you know he got stung by wasps and he's throwing his gloves in the air and like I know. running That's around. And then he it. goes, and then he goes and gives Auntie Niemi a hug, and even Niemi Niemi sitting there like. The lamp is not on. Like, like there's, there's no. Oh my god! Like it's this half-hearted hug sort of a thing. It's just like you know, like why are you jumping it? Why why are you tackling me? We won the we won the Stanley Cup, but lamp is not on. Like the, we for the for like. Why does Anthony Emmy sound like Drago? <laughs> it's, it's, oh, he doesn't know I Drago meets Brick Tamlin from The Office. I love carpet. I love lamp. Lamp is not on. Oh, oh God! That was weird. There you go. It's. I think this is the first uh, Drago reference, and potentially the first Brick Tamland reference on the podcast. We're happy to be here, Kelly. Thanks for having us. Definitely the first on ours. <laughs> <laughs> if you can believe it. I love lemp. I God! I even. I don't even remember what we were talking about. I've been distracted by my sadness again. Although trying to, I'm trying to contain Patrick Kane and good luck. Oh yeah. Put Sean Gutierrez on him. Solve. Yeah, well, his, his line mates, his line mates aren't great, so maybe Colleton's gonna do that for him. But um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, don't worry, Kelly. We'll find a way. At we being the Blackhawks, we'll still find a way to give up a, a solid. What would you say, Dave? The over under at three and a half odd man rushes going the oh, other way. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah, just just score when you get a two on one because it's gonna happen. And, and we're gonna be a two on one, probably a breakaway or two, like. <laughs> Somebody, Brent Seabrook's going to pinch for no reason. Yep. Um, Ten years ago, he might have been able to get back in time, but now he can't. Connor Murphy will be lost somewhere in the other zone, not entirely mm-hmm. sure where he's at. Again, if Forsling decides to play, he'll probably be on the complete wrong side of the ice. And Eric Gustafson will be behind the damn net because he always goes behind the damn net. I love his offensive ability, but for the love of God, you're a defenseman. <laughs> For every good goal he scores, he gives up two sloppy ones. And, and don't worry, Kelly. Even if you've got, or even if Seabrook has a step on you, he'll blow a tire in like three steps or four. So it's fine. Just like go around him. You know, like apologize if you're skating past him. Ask you know if he's ask if he's doing okay. Like it, he's an old man. Just let yeah. him. 
you know, let, also, let, that, let uh, that happen. And Dylan Secure is a rookie this year, and he will make a bunch of really good passes and set up some good scoring chances. But then he'll get a scoring chance of his own, and he'll hit the post because he will never, ever, 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 ever score a goal at the NHL nope. level. <laughs> Can, can, can confirm. I think he played too much pond hockey as a kid or potentially too oh. much rad hockey as a kid with no goaltenders and was just aiming for posts all the time. That, that actually, has to be a thing. That actually, it would be very, very flyers for that kid to get his first goal. Like, <laughs> so, look very out. Yeah. I'm, like, just uh, glad, I'm just glad this game isn't being played in Philly because I looked this up before we get on the podcast because I, I knew it had been a while. Do you know the last time the Hawks beat Philly in Philly regular season game? I was going to say, was it 2010? No, no, like <laughs> excluding the postseason, just in the regular season. No, I don't know. 1996. Yeah. If, if this website, flyershistory.com, was correct that I Googled. Wow. It, 1996 is the last time the Hawks beat the Flyers in Philly in a regular season game. If that's true, that is wild. So, yeah. So, I'm really glad this game is not in Philly because the Hawks really, really need this win if they're going to stay alive in this playoff race. And I need something to watch for the next couple of weeks because baseball season is going to suck because I'm a White Sox fan. So, yeah. I was going to say, you want to talk about only having one world championship in X amount of years? Don't worry, up, Tyler. We're, we're, we're right there with you, too. Hey, no, Dave, you have one as well. They're, they're, both the South Side and the North Side have one. Yeah. So since you mentioned it, do you think do you really think the Blackhawks are going to get in? Can you see it actually happening? After I wrote something that's on our website today that detailed kind of the road that they have to get there, and I lost most of my optimism doing it ah. because the Arizona Coyotes have the have the spot right now, and they've got a, a relatively easy schedule for the rest of the season, and the Hawks end the season against uh, I forget the order, but it's Dallas, St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Nashville. Oh. And they probably need to win at least two of those games and most likely three. Yeah. As a fan, it'd be lovely, but uh, we're, we're realists. And you know what? And, and it's okay because it's been fun. And I think it, kind of a similar situation in Philadelphia, which, again, we're going to yeah. try to segue this because we're professionals. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> It's it's been a year where sure some things haven't quite lined up as we would have thought. Maybe a couple of players that were potentially fan favorites have been moved away, and yet there have been some new additions to the team. Uh, one particularly particularly in between the pipes in Philadelphia that has suddenly grabbed all of the hearts yeah. Of, oh, yeah. of the faithful. And I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah, you know, and uh, it, you know, I didn't have the heart to say it earlier. Um, ah! Hey, um, <laughs> but we, you know, and we got a Patrick Kane is back season. Heck, we even got a Jonathan Taze is back season, which yeah. for Jonathan Taze enthusiasts like myself is restoring my faith in humanity. So that's um, that's definitely something that uh, you know we've been yeah. pretty excited about. But yeah, no, in terms of realism, it's, this is probably going to fizzle out. Yeah, it's Go fun. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it cautious optimism, Kelly. Cautious there you go. Optimism. Okay. Speaking of, now I'm gonna make you guys give me completely shot in the dark, score included, predictions for this game. Is Carter Hart going to play? You guys I, feel confident in that? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Uh, then I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go surprisingly. I'm gonna take the under and go two one Hawks. All right. In overtime. Oh. 
thank you. I was going to say, like, come on, Dave, like, we don't win in overtime, or we don't win in regulation. Actually, that's not entirely true. We do win in regulation on occasion. Um, you know what? Let's get weird. I'm going uh, touchdown two-point conversion against a field goal. I'm going 8-3 uh, flyers. What? Three flyers? I'm going what in eight, the world? I'm going Are you eight, high? I'm going 8-3 flyers. Uh, this, is the, uh, this is the Claude Giroux game. Uh, mostly because I'm just kind of a homer. Um, yeah. I don't hate Claude Giroux at all. Um, I, yeah, you know, let's get weird. Let's go like eight three. You know what? Let's. How about this? Let's go eight to three mm-hmm. in, re- in regulation. Let's oh. have a goal get overturned on a challenged offsides penalty. Let's see. We got to sprinkle in some goaltender interference, which has been loosely defined forever. Um, let's see. What else weird can happen? Are you playing Mad Libs right I now? Okay, Brad. So Brad's drunk. No, 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 no. Let's have some fun. Again, let's have some fun. If we're both going to have to endure some pretty gruesome seasons, let's, you know, have some fun doing it in the process. So, uh, you know, let's put some sweatpants on. Let's put the slippers on. Let's get a warm beverage. Let's kick the feet up and let's get weird, eh? So the Flyers are currently losing one nothing after the first to the Canadians as we record this. It was, okay, we're on a Flyers podcast. Did you see the i think it was the nhl gifts put up carter hart and carrie price warming up next to each other and it yeah. was like the caption was like you know when you warm up next to your idol or whatever it was was that not the best it was nice it's nice that carrie price gets to warm up next to his idol <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> okay so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say that the Flyers win this game three to one. I and with absolutely no spice or excitement, just a three to one hockey game. A uh, okay. uh, br- brace yourself, but a gritty game. By oh games. Lord, Brad! I'm never having you back on this podcast. <laughs> Tip your weight, staffs, everybody. Thank all you. right. Oh boy. So, all right. I think I think we've done good work here. You guys are great. This is lovely, and we appreciate you uh, having us on, Kelly. This is night. We love what you've done with the place here. It's very, yeah, it's really yeah, it's very, great. Very homey. Yeah, hey. that's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we've got the Blackhawks at eight thirty because of time zones, which is infuriating. Um, so you all have to stay up late on a school night to watch the Flyers win three to one. Thirsty Thursday. Grab a <laughs> beverage. <laughs> Beverage of choice, real quick, and I have to give shout outs to a couple of my favorite people. First of all, shout okay. out to uh, to Staff Photog Heather Berry at Broad Street Hockey. Um, pretty great. Love her work. Um, I am not anywhere near qualified to say that I'm a uh, coworker of hers, but uh, fan. Um, yeah. I think Kate Freeze has listened to the show as well. She's fantastic, and um, Alex McIntyre as well is pretty uh, pretty awesome. Which Y'all should go check them out if you're into the uh, the Flyers photography uh, yeah. fly- stuff. Love uh, yeah. lo- love you three. Do do Keep doing good stuff. And also appreciate you guys over at BSH. Let's do this again sometime. Yeah, it was fun. Absolutely. Co-sign on everything that Brad said. He's he's yeah. the uh, yeah he's the shout-out king for our uh, – <laughs> to our website. So we at, let him handle all of those. At secondcityhockey.com. Uh, second I struggle with the King's English sometimes too. Secondcityhockey.com. That's uh, at underscore Dave Melton. I'm Hi. at TCR Brad. 
Um, we are we're the Second City Hockey Podcast yep. Network, by the way, as well. So come check us out. We've got uh, soon to be three shows Ooh. coming up. Yeah, we've got uh, our very own Shaylen Brady and uh, Megan Simmons going to host the the the, the Puckin Right Chicago Podcast as well, nice. which nobody which nobody knows about. So this is like a Ooh, totally exclusive thing. Oh yeah, I like totally. it. You guys were following the PSH model. Load them up with shows. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. We, we read the uh, we read the email. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much. This is a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, enjoy the game. Go Flyers.